Hi everyone, Tom Panos, John McGrath, Million Dollar Agent. How are you, Johnny? Good, Tom. Now, this week we're back with the real people. We're not in Level 5 at News Limited. We're back in the McGrath meeting room. This is what the real people live like, Tommy. Not yeah. like that luxurious surrounds that you get to go to every yeah, day. Yeah, well, John, I've got to tell you, I hear that all the time. I was in North <laughs> Queensland um, the week before last, and uh, as I walked into the room, I basically had 60 North Queensland agents want to attack me saying, the big city slickers come from, from town. You're going to tell us how we're going to run your business. Blah, blah, blah. It went on. So here we are. Started the week. And John, again, he's, he's attacking me. He's feeling excited. He's got the South Sydney Rabbitohs. They're on a roll. On fire. They're on stop. Are they coming first, John? Yeah, they are. And, and some could say unbeatable at their best. I'm not saying that, although I believe it. But... Uh some could say that at their best game. But it is interesting. You know, I often use sports as an analogy, Tom, and the difference between Souths or any team when they turn up with their game face on, because if you th think about it, there are better teams and worse teams. I mean, if you look on paper and you rated skills and a whole range of different things, there is probably a team or two or three that probably should win every week. Now, we know that doesn't happen, and we know that sometimes number 15 knocks off number two. How does that happen? Because they turn up ready to go, done the preparation, visualisation, the team at number two sometimes a bit complacent, and you think about it, it's a bit like a listing. You can be an agent there. I often say to my guys that family and friends are sometimes the most challenging listings to get and sell well because we get complacent. Sometimes we lose our structure, we take it a bit easy, we have chatty conversations as opposed to business meetings with agendas. So, uh, no, no, it, it is interesting, but... Um, I'm, John, I'm beginning to think that uh, two months ago you you mentioned here that you'd gone in and had a chat with the Rabbitohs, right? <laughs> and um, in light of what's been Totally unconnected. Their current right, form right, is... Unconnected. Totally but I'm, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to say to all the people out there at Leichhardt Oval, I'll, I'll, I'll take John over myself. We're going to go through the City West link. John will come over. <laughs> Um, so, Very yeah. brave of you to mention the Tigers. You've been having a few challenges, but they will, they'll overcome them. Um, you know, and again, like life, like business, everyone goes through good times and bad times, and they just need to get through them. John, we're gonna, uh, before we go on to our uh, topic today, which is life-changing moments, sliding door moments, uh, moments of uh, uh, truth that define where you're going to head in your life as a permanent thing. And we're going to talk about those throughout. I want to just mention an article that I saw in the AFR on the weekend where there's a little bit of talk going on about these new portals that are popping up, which try, and they've been going on for previous years, but they've got a bit of popularity at the moment, particularly by those promoting them, about rating agents, uh, data-based decisions on which agent based on testimonials, many ways trying to be a trip advisor of real yeah. estate. Uh, what's your initial feeling on it? Well, look, I love TripAdvisor, and I think um, portals that have that type of offering are very good because, generally speaking, we're finding large numbers of real consumers rating real businesses based on their personal experience. That combination, I think, is potent and well worth it, and I certainly use some of those sites. In fact, when I'm thinking about going to a movie, I don't read the critics' reviews. I often read what the punter that went and saw it said about it. I think the problem with some of these other portals, I think there's a few, Rate My Agent, it might have been the one that was, that was referred to in that article. Uh, I, I like the concept. The problem is real estate is very geographical and therefore by nature often quite small in terms of the number of feedback elements you might get. So the, here's the challenge. If I'm an agent and I'm doing a good job and in my marketplace one person rates me on such a site, 
which we don't know, to be honest, if that's a competitor or not, because you can rate anonymously, or you can certainly just create a, a new profile which may not be yours. And so, I mean, that can actually not have the integrity um, and the scale. If a thousand people rated me, well, I guess I've got to put up with that because the reality is even if five of them are my competitors, there's 995 that weren't. So my concern around this is that I think the ultimate test is referral, word of mouth referral from people in your community. And I think real estate is such a geographically proximate thing. Most people know someone else in their community or can get to know them that have sold recently through an agent. And I'd say, what was Tom like? How did he go? You know, did he appraise it at the right? Did he keep you informed? Did he keep positive? I'm not sure in this space where when we're breaking it down to suburbs and we're potentially breaking it down to one or two reviews that we don't know if they're real mm. is an overly credible source. So I'll be honest, we have not encouraged our agents. We don't mandate much at all in our business other than integrity. Most of the others, we let people make their own decisions. Um, but we look at it and we think, you know, we're not sure that this is actually going to be a, an accurate and true reflection. Um, I know there's some stuff they get from data sources and websites. They scrape information. I'm assuming that that's probably accurate, So, but people can make up, they can find that themselves by going to REA or Domain. You can get that information pretty readily, or RP data, of course. So I think, you know, the real question is, you know, are these consumer ratings real? and therefore reflective. Mm. Uh, the other thing is, you know, we often know in this industry, even a good agent, when they're faced in a scenario where there's multiple offers on a property, there's lots of buyers on a property, some people can walk away disappointed, potentially even disgruntled, when it may not have even been the agent's fault. So I'm not defending our industry because I think most people listening to this would know that I'm one of the sternest critics when it comes to poor service or lack of integrity in the real estate industry. But I do think that, you know, you've got to put it in context. Uh, I'm not sure it's at this point any of them have got the accuracy and the uh, integrity. And that's not a comment on them. It's a comment on some of the people that post those things. And, you know, we all know that happens. And, I, you know, I think if, if, there, if there was to be a way where you could actually make sure this was a real vendor that's prepared to put their real email address up, I, I might be able to change my mind very readily on it. But most of them that I've seen that are critical, they're... They look like they're made-up emails and made-up names. So yeah. that's my concern about well, it. Well, John, I did a sample size this morning at my uh, local cafe of people that aren't in real estate. Just, you know, you know, I always get a good pulse from people. And I said, well, what would you think? And they said, um, they said, don't compare it to TripAdvisor. And they said, the reason why, and this is three people said the same thing, is that TripAdvisor's got eyeballs. Everyone so traffic, knows. right? Traffic. Yeah. So you know that it's going to have a lot of people looking at it. The second thing is, if... The reason why a lot of people go to TripAdvisor is that they can't actually go to Fiji or Phuket or Bali to actually see for things for themselves. Yeah, Whereas they said, they said, I'm actually here. I'm in Haberfield right now. He says, all I've got to look at is the signboards, the local paper. I go onto the website. I can talk to other people that have sold in this area. I can get that information firsthand. I don't need to be actually going to a keyboard because real estate is a geographical thing yeah. that you can actually touch base very quickly. That's a good point. See, Troy, do you hear that? Dropping names in Haberfield Cafe that he goes to every morning. Yeah, well, um, the silver tails. Have, have, have you noticed, <laughs> Troy? Have you noticed how I didn't mention the name, which I should, because if the guy listens to this podcast, it's going to be really cracky because he's going to think he's actually made reference to the suburb. Uh, yeah. So, uh, look, I think buyer beware. If if you want to put your, I mean, I don't think you have a choice. I think they're actually putting agents' name up, which I actually take a bit of offence to as well. Anyway, but I, I just think be be careful if you're a consumer. 
listening or and, and you know, do your due diligence based on real facts that you know to be real as opposed to things that may not be real. Yeah. The bottom line, John, is it makes sense have raving fans because you're going to increase your probability no matter which path it goes down. The point is the more happy people you've got, the better it's going to be for you. Yeah, and of course things like social media, Tom, do exactly that. So uh, this is not about hiding. This is not about, I mean, every agent should be doing a great job creating raving fans every transaction, every open house. You know as well as anyone that that's my number one mantra. Um, but yeah, just need to be aware. But we should talk about sliding doors. Sliding doors. We spoke about it before, John, but we know that there are various things that happen in one's life. Um, we use that metaphor, sliding doors, that great movie where in one second the path of someone's life changes direction completely, permanently. Um, I've used the term, sometimes the best gifts are badly wrapped. Um, another term I've heard, John, is sometimes uh, uh, a new beginning is being disguised by a painful ending. Yes. And we want to talk about things that have happened, um, and I want to talk about your biggest light bulb moments, that something's happened, it's had an impact on you, and it's made an impact and change the way you do things and the, your beliefs in life. Well, yeah, and I thought about it, Tom, when I was preparing to think about what would be some of those things for me, is I, I thought, what are the people and events that have changed the trajectory of my life? And, and like sliding doors, sometimes for the first five minutes or three months they don't change, but over time you look back and you say, well, when I was exposed to that piece of information or when I met that person, my life changed. And I've got to say that even today, one of my greatest joys in this business is when I'm in a group session with our team or I'm, I'm coaching someone, even one-on-one, -on -one, and they say, I remember, John, when you told me 10 years ago that if I did this, it would work, and it's worked amazingly well. I mean, that for me, as a coach and a teacher, and I think like you, I see myself, that's one of my You roles. live for that stuff. No I, day, I love John. it. It just makes it so... I don't think the people that say it realise yeah. how it feels for me, but when I think, my God, I said something to that person a decade ago, and it hit, and then they, they changed their life. So I look back, you know, and I'm not going to go way back, way back, but I'll just go into the beginning of my real estate career when I was not doing terribly well, like a lot of people don't when they start out. It was a combination of inexperience, um, uh, lack of market credibility, uh, a whole lack of beliefs. And I remember when I met the number one guy in the world because I'd fortuitously arranged to meet him soon after I started, despite the fact I was doing poor results. And a guy called Nicholas Barson, and, and he said to me, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Because I was 20 when I started selling. And, and that probably nowadays, that's probably considered quite young, and it was back then as well. And I was starting to believe that 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 sort of uh, wording when I was saying to myself, you know, am I too young? Am I too young? And then my results were like just getting strangulated. And then when he said that, I thought he's right. You know, if I'm good enough at what I do and I'm doing it at a certain vibration and level of energy and I have sufficient product knowledge, I don't care about the age. It's really... So that, that was really important for me. And I think that got me to a point of getting some runs on the board and then when you get runs on the board if you keep putting the pressure on and you keep improving then you get momentum and as you know Tom momentum in this industry is a wonderful thing you, know, you may be four sales and four listings away from momentum so if you're sitting there listening to this and you're not doing well um, four, four or five listings in the next month and, and, I, and I think if not today next week we're going to talk about listings in spring and how do you actually get more and get them uh, with a high degree of certainty um, can change your life. 
So I look back on that and I think, thank God he said that to me because sliding doors is I've now had an amazing 30 odd years in real estate to date and hopefully another 30 plus to go. And I look at that and I think, thank God he told that to me because that just gave me enough strength and confidence to carry on to get to some runs on the board and then momentum. So no doubt meeting him was a life changer for that's me. That's gold. So I think anyone that's under the age of 30 that's sitting there listening to this, uh, John, when you were doing it, um, absolutely 20, 21, 22 was at the very young age, but they can look at someone like you. It's not a four-minute mile. It's been done. Mm. Today, John, we see people at 24, 25. I mean, I know Gavin Rubenstein down the road is 25 years of age. He did 1.2, right? Yeah. So there's plenty of stories of people under 30 that write big amounts of money. So um, I know that term you use, mooring line or excuse or whatever yeah. the story you tell you. Um, John, have, has there been other things along the way? Yeah, it's funny because a few years later I met the guy who had then overtaken Nick Barson as the number one in the world. He's a guy called Bob Boland and he's been at Arica a couple of times so I'm sure some of the listeners have either heard of him or, or uh, seen him. <coughs> and um, I had the great pleasure of shadowing Bob for three days. So I went and met him at San Francisco. He was doing a presentation there. I literally flew across with a view of meeting him. And uh, anyway, long story short is, is I got to have a coffee with him afterwards. And he told me about his strategy, which was to see five qualified clients face to face every day and give them an opportunity to say yes. And that also, that simplicity of that and the consistency and the tone in which he told me that. And then I went and shadowed him and I watched him do it. And I thought, this is not a fantasy or a seminar story. This is real. Every day he's in front of at least five or six people and he puts a proposition to them, be them a listing or a buyer. And he says, Tom, do you want to do business? Let's do business. How does that sound? And uh, if you do that enough time, so he was clearly doing it 20 or 30 times a week, um, you're going to build a world-class business. And the year I shadowed him, he'd done $4.3 million in residential commissions. Um, so that was... John, I just did the numbers in my head there. Five a day is 25 a week. It's um, 100 a month. We're talking about uh, 1,200 a year. Yeah. If you had 1,200 conversations per year, in addition to what you're doing at the moment, making it easy for people to say yes... Yes. you would start moving to attraction and momentum. Have it's, a, to be. it's a simple but great strategy. And that's what I loved about it. It was so simple. And I, here I am listening to this guy who's number one in the world and he just presented me with this really ABC, one, two, three type of simple strategy. So I brought that back to Australia and then I distributed that concept through our team. <coughs> and interestingly, everyone started doing better. So that was, that was no doubt... A huge one, and the other, the other one, big one for me is when I sold that property that, that you know about at Wolseley Crescent, which was at that time Australia's highest, highest sale. And, and I, I uh, initially didn't think I could take it on. Um, I pitched for it. I won with Bart Doff. I won the co-listing, co-agent listing of it. Bart has been for many years one of the best agents in Australia and very successful at the top end. So just to win a listing with him was a thrill. To win that listing was great. To win it with him was even better thrill because I got to learn a lot from him. Anyway, we sold it for 11 and a quarter million, but I just remember that that was an activity or an event that changed my life because all of a sudden I was someone that no one had heard of to being the guy that co-listed and co-sold the most expensive property in Australia. And that was uh, all of a sudden a game changer. And soon after that, I sold the penthouse at the Regent Hotel down here. It's now the Four Seasons in George Street. 
Um, and that was partially off the back of that and people hearing that I'd done this. And so again, you can go from not selling many prestige to doing one record sale and then all of a sudden everyone wants to know you and they ask you to sell their property and if you keep that momentum going, your life changes. So I, th I think the, the bottom line is you don't know if today is the day that your career is going to take off, but be on the lookout for opportunities, events, people, activities. It could be a speech someone gives, it could be a podcast you listen to, it could be a quote. I mean, I love quotes, um, you know, business quotes and inspirational quotes that you listen to and you hang on to. There are so many things out there that can change our life for the better, and it's a good thing to be looking out for them. That's gold. I think, John, on that last one there, um, to me, it summarises, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. Mm. And that transaction that you made, all of a sudden, had people that weren't aware of John McGrath talking about John McGrath. Correct. And um, as you've indicated, you don't know when, what book, what transaction, what conversation that's going to happen. But what makes sense is be a blank canvas at every opportunity. Exactly right. You could read a chapter in a book today that would change your life forever but you then got to do the stuff that you learn. So, no, look, I, I think it's a good, it's a, it's a good story um, and it's a good uh, lesson for everyone that you just have no idea. So hopefully that there's been some value in today's podcast. Absolutely. Um, a quote I heard Seth Godin on a video clip say on the weekend, John, um, I just watched some, a lot of old stuff. It's funny mm -hmm. how on you, video blogs and YouTube, you end up watching stuff that seems to have been recorded 10 mm -hmm. years ago. You just mm -hmm. Google people's names, YouTube. Seth Godin said something to me that was uh, made logical sense. He said, there's only two, two really uh, bad risks you can take in life. The one is that you take no risk at all, right? And I think he used the word riskless living. Mm -hmm. And he said, that one's a very bad risk to take. And then the second one is where you take a, a massive, massive risk, where you bet everything on it yeah. and it doesn't come off and you get knocked off your feet for 40 years. But he said, everything in between the two, yeah. he said, what it is is you do something, it doesn't work, you tweak, you try again. And I thought that was very profound. And I think a lot of people must understand that all the good stuff happens when you step outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a very good one. John, we're back. Spring's coming. We've got about 10 or 12 days to spring. We've got next week, because we know it's listing season, it's Grand Slam season. We're going to spend our next podcast getting people to be world-class at listing presentations. I'll see you next week. Thanks, Tom.